Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Chelsea. And here we are. It's time for a holiday for everyone. Apparently all the Chelsea players are all scattered to the four corners of the globe. Clawners? Oh, you messed of the it up globe. already. I've messed it up already. <laughs> Hold on, who's that voice? It's somebody who's been travelling to another part of the globe other than England. I hear you've been into the European Union, Andy. I, I, I'd spent Brexit Day in Italy. Yes, I did. It was um, a lot of fun. I went over for the weekend to see AC Milan versus Hellas Verona at the San Siro. Blimey. So you, you didn't go over to claim Italian heritage or get an Italian passport then? I wish. I wish. I've looked into it, but my um, entire ancestry, because I think I've told this story before, Rick Glanville, the official Chelsea historian, good friend of the show, uh, did my family tree for me as a, as a you know, as a... As a friendship gesture which was lovely um uh, but unfortunately my family tree is the most boring family tree uh, of all time and and my entire family for about 300 years come from within about a three mile radius of stratford uh in the east end uh, so looked into all the various possibilities but unfortunately i am english through and through stuck with my new blue passport have you got a blue passport? No, but I will. I mean, that's that's one of the that's one of the the, the perks, isn't it, that we're going to get? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really understand this because actually, I've got a cover for my passport and it's blue, so right. I don't need a blue passport anyway. I only got mine done last year, so I'm I'm European Union passport wise for the next however many years until Haven't you got some Russian heritage or something. I've got I've got look, it's why I've got short legs. Where did your family come from? Uh, I've got short legs because I'm a mongrel. I'm a complete mongrel um part of the family on my father's side all came from uh well actually rick glanville 
the, the historian of the Chelsea tree, he? he did my family tree. I wonder how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone need a family tree? I'll tell you. He's well, the no, man seriously, he does that. So if you, if you do want your family tree done, Rick will do it. I mean, he'll charge you. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's brilliant at it. So if you're looking for some genealogy, then, you know, let us know. And uh, we will hook you up with Rick. Yeah. And uh, Rick, we're on 10%, okay? Uh, anything that <laughs> comes on 10%, from- I'm on 20 Oh, I oh no! I'm That's go- why I'm, I'm considerably richer than you because you know I'm just I'm better, such, I'm better at this stuff. You're a big bastard, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm sticking with Andy. Uh, yeah, no, just quote the reference. Uh, Chelsea genealogy and uh, Rick will give us a discount or no, yeah. give us no, money. That's, that's money, the one. Money, that's what we want. We want cash. <laughs> and, and well, you know, I mean, the, 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 he does do important um, family trees, and as we're saying, he did mine. Um, and yeah, on my father's side, it goes back to Russia, um, and my family were kicked out of the uh, the country and the pogroms in the eighteen seventies or whatever it was. Jewish, right? Uh, Jewish and Russian on my father's side, right, and Scottish uh, uh, and Welsh as well, and Scottish on my mother's side. So yeah, a complete mix-up, really. So how many football teams could you play for? Oh, hundreds. Um, I could play. Yeah, I could play for any Russian side. I think actually, maybe even a Latvian side as well. I think it was on the borders of that. Um, so yeah, I could. You want could go back to, to your grandparents, couldn't you? So. Right, okay, well, grandparents, uh, I guess, actually, yeah, I could actually go, my grandparents on my father's side, I mean, yeah, I guess Russia stroke Latvia, uh, Wales, Israel, um, not that I would choose to play for them, nothing against them, but I don't think I would, um, like you'd have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> nah, sorry, Israel. Yeah. I don't want to play. For yeah, you. You're just not at my level, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is true. Um, so, so, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Wales and Scotland. Um, and I was born in England, although I've got no English blood, really. So, mm. well, yeah, I, I would probably pick out of all of them. I'd play for Wales, I right. think. I Ask think. me who I could play for. Uh, well, <laughs> I've got a feeling it's a team of one. Oh, who could you play, I play for, for, Andy? England. <laughs> okay, well, uh, the, 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 there's more chance of me playing for Israel than I'm you. I'm available. Play. I am yeah. available. Well, oh, we know I that. I haven't summer holiday yet, so I am available. But you're, you're available, but you're, you're also, um, how does one term it? Well, there's a, quite a few things I could term you as, but today I believe you're a legend. Yeah, well. Yeah. You know, is this something to do with Music Week and your greatness? Yeah. There's a very flattering piece on me in this week's Music Industry Trade Bible, which is Music Week, which calls me a legendary PR. Oh. Which, of course, I've already framed and put on the wall. <laughs> and sent copies to anyone you've ever met. 100%. Absolutely. You, you almost sound, I don't know, shy and retiring about this. It's, <laughs> it's so out of character. In the PR business. You can't <laughs> PR yourself. Who can you PR? No, exactly. But you do, you do have a, a sense of modesty about you, which is Indeed. unusual. Um, so, yeah, I went to Italy. Yes. And it was good. I flew out on Saturday morning. Um, on your own? No, I went with my two sons, who are 27 and 25, um, and we thought we would go and just, you know, have a weekend somewhere and watch some football other than in England, um, and Chelsea were away. Do often, We do usually go to um, Chelsea Leicester, but we thought we couldn't go the other time because my son is going on his honeymoon, and then uh, there's all other reasons why we couldn't do it, But so this was the only weekend we could do, um, and we were going to go and see Sampdoria 
Napoli. So we booked flights to Genoa, which is where Sampdoria are based, and uh, booked our Airbnb, and it was all good. And then they changed the game for telly, and it was on uh, last night. Um, and it was a very good game. It was a 4-2 uh, win for Napoli. Um, but we couldn't go to it because we were flying home. So a uh, bit of scrambling around, and we realised that Milan were at home against uh, Hellas Verona, uh, which is only an hour and a half on the train. So we got the train from Genoa up there uh, on Sunday uh, and watched a entertaining one-all draw. Uh, entertainingly shit, as my uh, son said, because the standard wasn't very good. I was surprised at how poor the standard was. When you think that you know AC Milan are one of the one of the European giants of football, um, and it just just wasn't very good. But uh, but we had fun. It's a great stadium. Uh, been there before. I mean, there were you, in fact. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we had a, we had a good fun. It's it's interesting the Italian league because I've never enjoyed watching it. You you when it was on all the time, I, I'd watch a game here and there, and I don't know. There was something about it that that I don't. It, I think they save their best for European nights. A lot of the Italian teams, a bit like they are with internationals and the World Cup. You yeah. know. It was all played on the floor, which was good. There wasn't a lot of, sort of launching the ball. It was pretty, but it wasn't effective. And, you know, the finishing was very poor. They both hit the, the woodwork. Uh, uh, Verona hit the woodwork twice. Milan hit it once. And it was a red card. So it was, I mean, it was, it was entertaining. Um, but, yeah, I was surprised at, at the standard. Um, but, yeah, there you go. Anyone you anyone you scouted that would be good for Chelsea? Anyone you saw and you thought, ooh, I wouldn't mind him? Well, I w- well, I wouldn't mind Donnarumma, who's the the AC Milan goalkeeper. I mean, he's you know been playing for them since he was sixteen. He's only twenty now. He's huge. He's like six foot five and an absolute man mountain. Um, and yeah, no, I wouldn't mind him at all. Uh, but he's recently signed a deal with Milan, so it might be difficult to, to prize him away. Um, he was good. I mean, apart from that, nobody else really stood out that would probably that you'd probably take. To be honest. Okay, well, it's there's something I think quite wonderful about going seeing teams that you have no vested interest in, isn't there? I bumped into Mayo Yoshida at the airport. Did you say hello? Uh, no, no, I took a sneaky picture of him. Okay, um, but uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. I just don't like doing that. I don't like going up to to, to um, uh, footballers or celebrities in airports. I just think they're kind of going about their business, really. But he's now on loan at, Sa- at Sampdoria from Southampton. Um, and he was obviously coming back to London for something. Yeah. There was one bloke who went up to him, and I thought you were still at Southampton. What are you doing over here? And sort of pestered him for the whole trip, <laughs> I think. But, uh, uh, yeah, he just sort of stuck his headphones in and pretended he was on the phone. Yeah, well, you're, you're well, not right. one of those people. Quite rightly, too. No, I don't do that. No. Uh, but that no, was a nice weekend, so uh, we should talk about Leicester, shouldn't we? Well, yeah, and uh, interestingly, I mean, we can, we can start with what you were just saying about the AC Milan goalkeeper. Interestingly, there's been a lot of pressure on Kepo recently, and suddenly Frank makes a decision after the, the old cup game um, that he decided, I'm going to carry on with Caballero in goal. Were you surprised at this? little bit surprised i think kepper's clearly first choice goalkeeper and his price tag more than anything suggests that he is uh but caballero had a, had a decent game against hull he wasn't massively tested uh and frank probably thought well just like give him a rest take kepper out the firing line a little bit um uh, see what willie can do try and get uh kepper back into a better frame of mind we have the winter break coming up um and see if that works and 
to a degree it did. I don't think it was a disaster. There, there's one moment in the game that we'll talk about, but uh, but generally it, it was okay. I think I think the goalkeeping position is one that we need to look at in the summer. Whether we do something drastic and and sell Kepper or or bring someone else in, I don't know. But it needs looking at, it needs examining because it isn't perfect at the moment. No, it, it's not. And it, it, is this a statement to all the players, especially after we've had, and we'll talk about this in a bit, about the transfer window closing shut with very little movement other than a couple of the younger players going out, and we'll talk about that later. Is this kind of a message to the to the whole squad? Look, I hear is a 70-odd million pound footballer who should be number one, but I'm not happy with things. He's out. We need to be at a certain level for the rest of the season. Is he trying to G the whole squad up? Or is it just as simple as, you know what, take him out of the firing line for a week or two. Let's see if he comes back renewed with vigour. Probably the latter, as I say. I, th- I think that's probably it. I think he's he's seen Kepa under pressure. You know, I've said before, I don't think it's all Kepa's fault. I don't think he's been brilliant. But I also don't think our back four have been brilliant. I haven't offered him a huge amount of protection. He's been put in very awkward situations. He has his faults. He's not coming for crosses. But then there's an argument, we discussed it over the weekend, whether modern goalkeepers come for crosses in the way they used to. Um, maybe that's maybe that's tactical. But he clearly doesn't have the height or the um, physical attributes to impose himself in that situation I think he's a, a, a decent shot stopper I think he's pretty good with the ball at his feet although he's made some poor decisions but again I don't think that's entirely down to him I just as I say I think it's an area that he's looking at carefully and figuring out and also there is a certain amount of coaching that needs to go into somebody like Kepper from what I can see he's still young it's still a different league this is his second year here uh, he's learning things and he's learning a different way of playing than he did over in Spain so perhaps taking somebody out of the firing line before they get damaged what's interesting is you've seen De Gea go th- you know another Spanish keeper go through similar situations where one minute he is the world beater and then the next he's he's awful I'm not saying Kepa's ever been a world beater yet for us but the the, the ups and downs of, of these keepers there's, there's quite a parallel yeah Kepa when he I think you remember his first season at Man United he wasn't very good he um I, I think I even remember saying you'll never win the league with a goalkeeper of that quality uh, and then he just got better and better and better. And then Real Madrid came calling. And then there was the classic, they didn't get the deal done because the facts didn't go through in time. And then it seemed to go away. And then it keeps rearing its head. And now Courtois, of course, is having, a, by all accounts, a brilliant season. is looking like the best goalkeeper in the world. And De Gea's opportunity when Madrid seems to have gone. Um, and you wonder whether that's a mental issue with De Gea, whether he's just in a bad place mentally, or whether, like Chelsea, there isn't enough protection in front of him to make him look as good as he previously did. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's an interesting position, goalkeeping, because so often people let goalkeepers off for mistakes, but once the criticism starts, it's very hard to stop it. And I think Kepper, I, I actually think this isn't his worst period for Chelsea. Um, I think... He's getting a lot of flack at a time when I agree with you that the back four haven't helped him particularly at times. Uh, and I don't think he's anywhere near as bad as 
as he was at various points last season. Um, and, and remember as well, we, we look back as uh, Petr Cech as the benchmark for Chelsea goalkeeping, but he wasn't perfect. He wasn't great on crosses, particularly after his head injury. Yeah, um, He wasn't amazing with the ball at his feet. His kicking wasn't brilliant. He had an amazing back four in front of him for most of his Chelsea career, which helped him out immensely. When you've got John Terry and Ricardo Carvalho and Paolo Ferreira and Ashley Cole in front of you, or other combinations of those players, you know, you're going to be a better goalkeeper because you're going to have a lot more protection. So I think we have to take all of this in context and say that this is, I think, a defensive issue rather than a goalkeeping issue. Yeah, I agree. And I I think everyone in the back four and the goalkeeper are culpable in this. And I I think that's a a very good point to make. Um, Okay, well, look, let's get on to the game. Um, Surprises for you in the selection? Was it a bit odd to see Pedro in there? Uh, Pedro for William, yeah, was was a a, bit of an eyebrow raiser. I'm still wondering what the thinking behind that was. I mean, Pedro is clearly staying now, so he's going to be here for the rest of the season. So maybe Frank thought, well, let's give him a little bit of motivation and give him a start if he's going to be here. Um, apart from that, I think I can't see a lot else I would have done. I mean, that Kante, Jorginho, um, Mount, three in the middle. I mean, that's very interchangeable. Obviously, you had uh, Kovacic on the bench, you had Barkley on the bench. Um, but I think for that game, that's probably the right three to have picked. So no, not not too many surprises. Tamori didn't get a game. You know, he preferred Christensen over Tamori. So yes, I mean, we're still we're still working it out. He's still working it out. Yeah, I think that's true. I I, I think what we are seeing though is definitely a preference for getting Reese James into the team whenever he's fit, and at the expense of a. Uh, a recognised left back moving Dave over there. That seems to be the way he'll go for, I think, for the rest of the season. If Reese James is fit, I think he plays. There's something about that kid. He's at such an early part of his career, and yet the class oozes out of him. And you can see that he's learning, as we talked about last week. But some of the crosses he puts in, the way he whips it along the ground as well at times, not not often going for the aerial ball, but causing such mayhem in that defence. Yeah, he's he's he was excellent and has been excellent and looks like a super quality elite player. Yes, I agree. I think that he has to be first choice. But the caveat is if he stays fit, he has had these niggling injuries. So hopefully as he gets conditioned to the Premier League, we'll see less and less of that, and he becomes more of a more of a fixture. I think he's going to play hundreds and hundreds of games for Chelsea and be uh, a major force in our team for years to come. Yeah, I think so. And, and it's interesting because our back four didn't play badly against Leicester, um, and it does look as though Rudiger and Christensen at this moment in time, looks like his preferred pairing. Of course, that could all change next time we see them, and he's changed it again. But he seems to like that sort of mix of Rudiger, the tough man who can cover, who's quick, who can catch most people. Um, may not be the most elegant of players, but he'll die for the cause. And then Christensen, who's a bit more cultured, who looks so like he can bring the ball out. And it's still very early days for that pairing, but that does look as though that's the way he's going at the moment. It does. Um, I, I don't think 
that any of those players that you've mentioned have been ideal. Um, Christensen made a couple of poor decisions in the second half, particularly, that could have led to a loss. I think Rudiger has not been as good as I hoped he would be since he's come back uh, into the squad. Yes, I think maybe it's to do with chemistry, maybe it's to do with playing together and understanding each other, but there are mistakes from both those players and from Tamori. So we haven't got that rock-solid centre-back at the moment, the one that we can absolutely rely on to get others out of trouble. I think it's still, they're both at kind of 80%, um, and we need them to be 90 100% every game. So Because those, those are the margins in the Premier League. One mistake loses you the game. Yeah, and we, Chris- were, we were lucky that you know that that the that the finishing from Leicester wasn't as good uh, as it could have been, either from uh, the uh, header from the corner um, or from uh, the Harvey Barnes chance at the end. You know, the, these these are the margins. If either of those had gone in, if the if the um, if the header had gone in or that chance had gone in, we would have lost that game. Simple as that. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, also we, we were we were lucky that Vardy really didn't look fit. Um, he's he's one of those players. He needs that pace to to really terrify you. And he had one moment, didn't he, which Javier yeah. saved very well. Yeah, no, and and I thought on the whole, well, Willie had a good game, but he's very similar to a lot of the Chelsea players in the fact that he can make one terrible decision a game. And and he did that, didn't he? When he sort of scrambled across the goal, um, chasing the ball all the way out to the edge of the other side of the penalty area. And you just thought, oh. Yeah, I've watched it several times. And the ball comes over and he's right to chase it. But he should have stopped. He went too far. Yeah, he did. Just that split second too far, at which point he probably did have to try and get it. And I don't think, having watched it several times, he would have saved it anyway. I don't think even, you know, the problem was that by the time he got back, he wasn't set. So, you know, he was slightly off balance. But I think, I don't think he would have saved it anyway. I really don't. So I think it was a poor decision to continue with the chase. But ultimately, I think the defending led to that goal. It wasn't the goalkeeper not being on his line. Yeah, and no, I'd agree with that. Um, it is. It is just not good, though. I mean, not a good decision for an no. elite goalkeeper, no. um, and disappointing, but not perhaps as crazy as some people have 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 stated. I don't think not not as awful as some people have stated. I don't think the goal came because he wasn't on his line. I don't. I think it was the ball should never have been in the penalty area. Should never have been pulled back. That the the, the goal scorer, you know, uh, Ben Chilwell should never have had the time to, to find to find the net. Simple yeah. as that. I mean, we yeah. should have been closer to him. So there's a lot there was a lot of other factors in that apart from Willy Caballero's rush of blood to the head. But do you not think also we, this has been an odd season because places are up for grabs in this side. There's no doubt about it that here we are, halfway through the season and none of us really know the actual eleven apart from maybe a handful of positions. You would think Anyone who comes into this side would do something to cement their claim to a place. And I'm not just talking about Willie. You know, it it looks as though maybe we'll see if he if he starts against Man U after the break, then Kepa knows that he's not going to play for the next handful of games unless something goes wrong. But do you not think that no one has really staked claim? I mean, Ross Barkley 
it's it's set up for him to come on, be majestic, take the ball, seize the opportunity. He doesn't do it. Pedro, I think that Frank started with him because he knows he's not match fit, but if he gets going, he's a, he's a thorn in most teams' sides. He has energy. He's trying to find out where he is as a player. Well, I think we found out he did the classic Pedro thing. He started off very well and then disappeared as the game went on. Um, so many players are not yeah, staking their claim. One player. There's only one player in that team that you can absolutely guarantee will start, and that's Abraham, if he's fit. He's the only player. Everybody else I think you can look at and say they're interchangeable. We don't have another striker of the quality of Tammy Abraham. So if Tammy Abraham's fit, he starts. But from the goalkeeper down... I think all those play all those places are up for grabs and are interchangeable. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. You might at this level argue. You might possibly argue that Rudiger is is a starter. Yeah, but the I, others. I, I think you know that midfield we, we've already talked about being interchangeable. I don't think he'd swap Rudiger out necessarily for for any of the other three centre backs. I don't think he would because I think he sees him as the leader at the back. Um, I think Rhys James starts if he's fit, but we've already we've also seen. Frank managing him and bringing Aspi in uh, at times. I don't think Mason Mount's quite done enough to cement a starting place. I think Jorginho's pretty close to being an automatic starter, but even he's been swapped out on occasion. So no, it's, uh, it's, it's very interchangeable. And if you look at Liverpool um, and you look at Man City, um, they, there's four or five players in there that you know are going to start every game. So it's it's. I think we've got to get to that point where half the team is our automatic starters, and the rest are bought in as per the game condition. No, I I agree with that. Um, it was interesting, wasn't it, that Rudiger, who we're expecting so much from defensively, um, I still think he's finding his way. I think it's a classic case of man having to start his season late, never quite gets to true fitness for the season until the next year. But my gosh. He's good at good at a corner against Leicester, isn't he? Uh, both his goals were well taken, but the second one, I mean, he was he was on the penalty spot. I mean, that's quite a distance to power and loop a header over someone like Schmeichel, who's a very capable keeper. Yes, it's, it was Ivanovic in the Europa Cup final, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the similar, yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar type of header. Um, listen, I think there's two things about that. One, yes, of course, uh, both. I mean, the first one was fairly straightforward. The second one was a brilliant header, as you say. Um, it's disappointing and slightly worrying that we're not scoring from open play, that we're relying on set pieces. But it also shows as well that when we deliver a decent set piece, we are a threat. And too often we've said this season that we have wasted corners, that they don't beat the first man, or we've played them short and played them across, by which time the, the opportunity is gone. Um, and free kicks just haven't been delivered well enough. Um, but when we do, and we know we have in Mason Mount somebody that can really deliver uh, a set piece, when we do, we're a threat. So there's two things there. One is, why aren't we taking our chances? Again, because we had several chances in that first half. Why are we so profligate in front of goal? Particularly from those, as you say, whipped crosses from Reese James. Tammy should have had at least one goal uh, in that situation. You know, We're not ruthless enough and in getting into the right positions or taking those chances. And it's hurting us. And we are relying on set pieces. And if we're relying on set pieces, it's an absolute lottery that we're going to win games. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, and what really concerns me the most is we don't have a ruthless streak in us. We don't know how to kill sides. We don't know how to 
then defend. I'm, look, I'm not going to say it this week. It's the, the old GM situation again. It is the GM situation, but it, you're absolutely right, and there's no point banging on about that because we talk about game management every, every episode. But um, I think the issue that really struck me is we're still too polite. We're way too polite as a football team. We're, we're at the moment, we, it reminds me of a Wenger-Arsenal situation. There's no bullies in there. There's no, there's no mongrel in there. There's nobody who's going to just put themselves about in the midfield and let the other team know they're there. There's I, nobody there that's going to... I'm not asking people to go out there and break legs or, or, or you know, play thuggishly, but there's, there's a sense that we're not imposing our personality on games, that we're not... You know, we're not imposing our philosophy in an aggressive enough manner for pe- for there to be any level of fear factor. We're relying yeah. on our football to do it and our flair to do it. And that's great. If we can pull it off, that's fine. I mean, if we're going to be a team that relies on skill and flair and technical excellence and we win games, I'll take that all day long. But if we're not winning those games, I want to see us doing something about it and letting the other team know that, that we are not a pushover, we're not a rollover, that if you're going to counter-attack against us, that we will chase you down and then we will counter-attack against you. If you're going to flood the midfield, we're going to battle you for every ball in midfield. And if you're going to put men behind the ball, we're going to bulldoze our way through and score a goal. And I don't see us doing that. And I no. want to see us doing that. Yeah. And I look back at some of the classic midfields that we've had in the past, the Essians, the Balaks, the Makaleles. Those players wouldn't tolerate this. They wouldn't tolerate this level of politeness in the team. You know, they would go and win the ball and impose themselves on the ball and push the other team back onto the back foot. Yeah, I, I'd agree. Uh, the one thing I'd say is you, you said that they need a mongrel. And as I said earlier, I am actually a mongrel. So what you're saying is Chelsea needs me. Thanks, yeah. thanks, Andy. Well, you're, you're, uh, you're what? Five foot two? I am not. I'm five foot five and a quarter. <laughs> uh, anyway, you're look. five foot five and a quarter with a heart condition. <laughs> in, yeah. In your late in your late fifties. Yeah. Having lived a life of yeah of of, of hedonism. <laughs> you're you're not you're not an ideal specimen for the Premier League. That's all Hold I'm on. saying. But you have to admit. I bring something different to the team. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> they'll let you be the mascot. Oh, well, okay. Uh, I'm probably too small for that. Um, <laughs> anyway, look, um, after the, the, uh, the game, um, we had our man, Naz Kinsella, behind the scenes, reporting on what the mood's like at this halfway stage and, and how Frank was after it. So let, let's hear what Naz have, has to say. Hi all, this is Nizar Kinsella, Goals Chelsea correspondent and reporting for the Chelsea. Uh, I have just been at the King Power Stadium, Leicester 2, Chelsea 2, um, back at King's Cross now and I'm just thinking through what happened at the game. You know, it's been a pretty hectic uh, week for all of us really in football, especially, um, you know, with the transfer window just closing. Um, you know, we, I think Chelsea hoped and we thought that they might do some business. They wanted a striker all along and didn't get one. Um, then we went to Frank Lampard's pre-match press conference and it was it was something that was very uh, fraught, very tense. Um, I mean, his, his eyes were darting all over the place. He was talking very fast. Um, he was quite stressed about the situation of not signing players, especially when people like Tottenham 
uh, and Manchester United had signed players. So, uh, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting time. It was interesting to watch that, and he was very honest and didn't pull his punches really. Um, so, he, you know, it was a sense of disappointment. But you know, he's got Giroud now. He's not got a different striker in, um, and it's probably still not the worst place to be. Um, I thought that the game kind of summed up the the transfer window in that. Chelsea might just be good enough even without somebody coming in um, and, and that's what the game sort of showed I think both teams were relieved to come out with a point and spoke to players on both teams um, we spoke to Tammy Abraham Mason Mount and Harvey Barnes uh, and they were all kind of you know happy with the point they were all uh, relieved to sort of get to this winter break that we're having now as well so um, yeah I mean they're already off on the holidays all the Chelsea players uh, you've seen some in America some in Dubai um, and yeah they're, they're, they're all they all seemed in need of it I think that you know it's relief for both sides top four place is still secure um, Spurs closing that gap but um, I think there's a level of confidence still at Chelsea that they will get over the line that they will do it without any new signings so um, yeah great Great, a great uh, sort of day for the, for all the players. A good game, um, but you know, two flawed teams as well. Um, and I think with Chelsea, they're, they're kind of putting out that hysterical noise that the transfer window kind of brings. Um, so uh, yeah, for me, um, you know, Mount seemed confident. Tammy seemed confident. Tammy is always confident. Um, and yeah, um, I think. It was a. It's been an interesting week on the Chelsea beat. So, um, quite a times now for us all. I'm going to go away. They're going to go away. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll be back with you uh, soon after for Manchester United at home. So yeah, see you guys. Thanks for listening. So Andy, there you heard. It was quite interesting hearing Naz that Frank and the, and the whole squad seem to believe, and the feeling is there that we have enough to hold on to fourth place with this squad. Uh, that you know The Leicester game was a, a real good litmus test of where we are. We managed to survive, and maybe that's what the rest of the season is about. OK, we've got Tottenham breathing down our necks, and I think of all the results that were going so well for us, the one you didn't see coming was Tottenham beating City. But there you go. The, these things happen. Um, how do you feel? Do you think we've got enough here to survive, that Frank can find a way to, to cement this solidarity in the side and go, look, we're just getting through to the summer, then we can reevaluate everything, and next year will be really different. Is there enough in this squad? I think there probably is enough. Uh, whether we can deliver it on a Saturday afternoon is another question. Where we've been incredibly fortunate this season is the uh, inconsistency of teams behind us. I mean, you say you didn't see Tottenham beating City. I mean, City have been inconsistent this year. Tottenham, I thought, played well in that game, and uh, I thought City were reasonably well beaten. Uh, Manchester United have had opportunities to catch us and haven't taken it. You know, our nearest threat at the moment is, what, Sheffield United? I can't see them lasting, but who knows? So we are slightly over-reliant on the, on the uh, inconsistency of teams behind us. But we do have class players who, on their day, if they take their chances and manage games properly, yes, of course we can finish in the top four. We've been an absolute re- revelation this season. But if we don't, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's something we need to have a meltdown about. I think this was always going to be the case if we finish in the top six that would be still a good season and I think if we can do some business in the summer um, and add some 
quality in areas that we know we need, uh, there's no reason why we can't push on and and start to build towards getting back to where we were as uh, as title winners in years gone by. Yeah, I think when we look at it, we have to be accepting of the fact if we get Champions League football next year, that's a, an absolute bonus. But we are building for the future. And I know that everyone said it at the beginning of the season, but we're not kind of used to that approach. And I just hope that everyone just keeps giving themselves a reality check every now and then. We I are- think what's really frustrating people, Kerry, is, is not that we're getting battered. I think if we were getting battered every game, if we were on the back foot and clearly those uh, young players that we have weren't ready for the Premier League, people would see it. I genuinely think people would say, look, OK, th- there's, there's some work to be done here with, um, with these players getting Prem League ready. Uh, but that's not the case. We're on the front foot. We're playing football. We're creating opportunities. I think why people are getting frustrated is we're not taking those opportunities and and also importantly we're getting sucker punched we're getting ourselves into a situation where we could win a game and through poor game management we're ending up losing in the last minute or giving goals away when we've just scored and and not being able to keep clean sheets uh and and not taking opportunities and that's frustrating because they are very very fine margins and i think that if we were uh, failing to compete at this level, then I think that people would would be much more uh, comfortable with the transitional mindset. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. But I, I also think all of this and everything you're saying is part of the learning process for these younger kids to, to go, you're not on the training ground now. And that just because I've missed one doesn't mean that it's a problem because I'm going to get another in a minute. We're seeing... Tammy is getting games where he is getting one chance and one chance only. And what he will discover, and and what he probably is discovering, is at this level, that's why you're the number nine. That's why you're the centre forward. You have to convert that one chance you get in the game to make everything seem right and rosy and look th- th- sorry yes you're right and and sorry to interrupt but if you look at football matches particularly the premier league what are most games between one and three goals in a game isn't it there's not meant there's not usually many games when there's more than three goals in a game so that gives you an indication of the amount of chances real proper chances you're going to get to score so to be an elite player at this level you have to have to take the chances when it comes there are no excuses yeah, and you... otherwise go and play in a lower league at your level. Yeah, you know because there's only there's only the opportunity for one, possibly two strikers to play for Chelsea Football Club at any one time on the pitch, and if you're going to be that person, you know, in a globally successful elite club like Chelsea Football Club, you have to take your chances. Yeah, you have I, to. I agree, and this is what I think this season is all about. Everyone has the luxury of time this season to understand exactly what is needed. But I really think next year, I think you'll see a far more ruthless Frank when he has the ability to do things. And you know what? The whole transfer window, everyone moaning about, oh, we didn't buy anybody. It's a disgrace. It's it's awful. You know what? What's the point in buying a second-rate player just to fill the squad. We don't need those. We've got enough squad players there. We well, need... Why didn't we buy 32-year-old Edison Cavani? <laughs> why didn't we buy 34-year-old, you know, Dries van Mertens, you know, on 300 grand a week so they can basically sit on the bench for half the games and when they come on look like old men who can't run anymore? It's like, oh, why haven't we done that? It's 
pointless. It's utterly pointless. We're not going to get the players that we want in this window. And if you don't know that, you haven't been following football for the last 10 years. No, you know, there's very few players at a very high level who are available in January. You know, there's... Probably there's been a couple of transfers, and that's it. I, I think it's been... No, Bruno Fernandes was probably a decent a decent buy in this window um, for United. But apart from that, I can't think of many where I've gone, oh, that's an amazing, that's an amazing uh, transfer. I wish we'd got him. It's, well, a really quiet, it's a really quiet window because teams, teams don't want to let their players go in January, particularly if they're still competing. Yeah, and that's why I'm surprised that Borussia Dortmund managed to get Haaland, who seems to who seems to score quite a few goals there. He's another one I th- I think. I know he did, looks he looks amazing. He does, you know, and that that is an incredible buy in January. I mean, what he mm. scored seven goals or something in two games. Yeah, he's on fire. Yeah, no, so you know, but uh, but I agree with you. you. You know, and actually, looking out, uh, you know, what we did. <sighs> There's a few younger players that have been moved on, some on loan, some that have been sold. Um, yeah. Yeah, Tarek Lamptey's gone. Tarek Lamptey yeah, went was... to Brighton. Uh, in some ways, it's sad to see him go, but you can't keep them all. You can't keep all the... All the right backs players. in the world. <laughs> I mean, how, how on earth is Tarek Lamptey going to get through Rhys James and Azpilicueta for that right back slot? You know, what, if you were that player and your contract was running down and you're looking at who's in front of you... You, are, you know, you'd look, you'd look elsewhere, and Brighton's a good club for him. Personally, I don't think he's tall enough anyway for for that slot. I think he might actually develop into a right winger as his career goes on. He's certainly, for me, not tall enough to be a right back in the Premier League. So we'll see how he gets on. Yeah, but you can grow, you know. I, no. I, I still believe I'm going to get taller. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think I think it's true. And who knows? One thing, we don't know any details of the contract. Of it may do. be that we've got a buyback clause on him. You know, you, you just do. never know with Chelsea. They seem to be keen on the buyback now. And um, w- w- I was quite pleased that we didn't buy back Ake. That never made any sense to me, really. No. He, no. He's another good player, but we've got a lot of good players. Yeah, what we need just are great players. He would players. go straight into the good rack yeah as opposed to the great rack yeah i agree anyway look it's uh we've got to take a commercial break and we'll be back after this So here we are, Andy, uh, getting ready for the break and uh, the winter break. Uh, one of my favourite things in in this whole uh, new formula that we've come up with, and I, I say it every week because I do find it exciting listening to people, is the first, worst and best Chelsea games. Um, and coming up now, we've got a very old friend of the show who's on here regularly. Um, you know him very well. It is Mr Alan Bird with his first, worst and best Chelsea games. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, This is Alan Bird and this is my first, worst and best Chelsea matches. The first being 1982. um, I went to see Chelsea v Middlesbrough. Um, It was a pretty um, boring game. Ended nil-nil, but um, I grew to love those players throughout the 80s as a lot of other Chelsea fans did Eddie Nishreski, John Hollins, Joey Jones Clive Walker, Nigel Spack, McCary Dixon etc um, Pat Nevin of course and David Speedy um, on to the worst it was actually a worst weekend it was Easter weekend 1986 um, at home Chelsea versus West Ham 
Um, it was in that period when we had lots of um, trouble with the um, racism, and as we still have today to a certain extent, where it was prevalent, uh, particularly at that time. Um, we played West Ham, uh, Devonshire won for uh, sorry, Devonshire scored. Uh, as did Tony Cotty, two goals, Frank McAvenny making it 4 0. Um, not a particularly nice day at all. So, Bank Holiday Monday, um, we played QPR away on their infamous plastic pitch uh, and we lost 6 0. 4,000 Chelsea fans, uh, me being one of them, um, we all wondered why we ever. <laughs> bothered going to see him play at that point, I would, I would imagine. And then my best uh, Chelsea match had to be the 1997 FA Cup final against Middlesbrough when Roberto Di Matteo scored that fantastic goal of 42 seconds. Um, it was a particularly um, personal experience for me because I'd won an FA Cup ticket and a membership draw via the club. Uh, and then me and my two... Um, Friends from school, who one being my chief usher, the other being the best man, had to try and get a, two other tickets. Um, I managed to get one via the doorman at the Ivy, where I worked at that time, and he knew a cleaner who cleaned Frank the Bush flat and bizarrely managed to get hold of one. So we just needed one more. Uh, my chief usher, his uncle, worked at a non-league club, um, and he got his ticket via a raffle for the ticket that they got from the FA each year. And to top that, I got an invite from my fruit and veg supplier, Laser Chelsea at the time, um, to a barbecue on the morning of the cup final. Um, I almost dropped my beer in shock when my veg supplier introduced me to Suggs from Madness. Um, in the course of the conversation, I asked how they knew each other, and they said he used to frequent their greengrocer's shop in Chelsea back in the day. So I somehow managed to find myself sitting on the same um, table as these guys on the coach and we pretty much sang Blue Day all the way to Wembley and back. Um, and then to top it all, my chief usher found out he was seated next to Roberto Di Matteo's sister and mother, so quickly found himself in a celebratory group hug when he'd scored, um, with his sister asking what happened and obviously them explaining what it was. And finally, when we got back to the coach, uh, the Lays boys had filled the luggage compartment, large plastic boxes filled with uh, bottles of champagne on ice. And uh, we obliged the Borough fans by spraying them with the bubbles, which they took pretty well. And then we all returned to King's Road to celebrate into early hours. And I don't think I will ever top this experience at a cup final ever again as a Blues fan. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Andy, memories are made of this. What, what mm. about that? I, I love the, the, the stories people come up with because nothing's just straightforward. You, that whole thing of, of uh, getting to the cup final and getting tenuous tickets. Um, do, do you ever recall getting tenuous tickets through strange, nefarious sources or through the music business or something a little bit iffy? Um, I was giving that some thought. Not really. The only the only time I was absolutely desperate, desperate for a ticket was for the Champions League final in 2012 in Munich because I have two season tickets uh, at Chelsea, um, 
but there are three of us. So there's me and my two sons. So we're always slightly on the hunt for another ticket. But that that's usually sorted out through the people around us and friends and ticket exchange if necessary. So we, we never really have a problem with that. But when it came to the Champions League final in 2012, I had enough points to get two tickets. And we'd actually agreed that my uh, younger son uh, would go because he'd been to more games that season and my older son was like look I think Joel should go um, because you know for, for that reason so and then we found out that he couldn't go because the ticket was in my other son's name and your name had to be on the ticket so we got the two tickets so me and Harry were going to go and I had to say to John I'm really sorry but we can't get you a ticket for technical reasons really but and then I sort of really really tried to get him a ticket and then I found a friend of a friend of a friend of a client who managed to get hold of a sponsor ticket um I think it was Nikon or something like that and I bought that and it cost me an absolute fortune um and I bought it uh, and I said to to Joe I've got some good news and I've got some bad news the good news is I got your ticket for the Champions League final, and he was absolutely over the moon. I said, the bad news is I've got absolutely no way of getting you there because all the flights are booked, and I've looked into it, and it's really difficult. And he was like, I'll walk. And I'm like, yeah, well, okay. Uh, and then I found out that there were some coaches going um, from uh, Earl's Court with Chelsea fans on it, and he got on that, and it took him I think it took him a day and a half to get there, and it was completely miserable, but but massively worth it. But that's the only time I've really kind of hustled, hustled to get a ticket, and, and that one came off. I, you see, I think the travel thing is is quite an adventure, and actually, maybe that's something we can do in future. You, you know, I also I'd love to you know find find a way. Maybe people can contact us on Twitter on getting people's other people's thoughts and on their first worst and best chelsea games um you know contact us through twitter if you'd like they, to they, they can dm us through twitter yeah right? exactly DMs are open aren't they so yeah yeah so it's at, at, at chelsea podcast on twitter yeah um so go, go you know just dm dm kerry i guess you you, you know and uh, and basically so i'd like to do it and then you can send whoever it is details of where to send their their record their audio file is that yeah. the best way of doing it exactly i mean so your first Worst, worst and best. best games and it's got to be three minutes max right and no champions league final <coughs> no champions league final and no moscow and no well, unless you've got a really interesting story i say champions league final they're both champions league final but you know what i mean yeah. no moscow yeah, yeah. And Munich. Yeah. no win no lose champions league finals yeah, no yeah. absolutely and actually at some point i'd love to do great journeys people have made because you do hear of the most incredible things i mean jackie my wife and myself for the champions league final we ended up getting trains across europe going from london to paris and then paris through uh, holland and then changing in holland then getting into germany and changing in germany and getting down sorry you just fly to Munich because we, we've been away, so we couldn't. Uh, we didn't get our tickets and everything sorted out in time, and it looks uh. like we weren't going to go. Um, we 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 got tickets courtesy of the Dutch FA. Um, Why? <laughs> because that's where they came from okay. um who knows uh yeah friends of friends in the music business managed to source me uh, a couple of tickets from the dutch fa so that that was People how like i like you stopping proper fans going what dutch fa fans yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay sorry dutch that's no, a good idea fans. though good journeys yeah, I should that, say as well, also, um, we, we've just recently started our Instagram page. So to try and follow us on Instagram, it's uh, at the Chelsea podcast on Instagram. We'd love to have you there. We'd like more followers so we can uh, 
send pictures up there and, and do all sorts of stuff and, and have my dialogues with you. So um, if you are listening and you want to follow us on Instagram, at the Chelsea Podcast would be where you need to go and sign up. Excellent. Well, okay, look, we're, we're not far away from wrapping up. Um, we've now got a break, which is kind of hideous, but uh, I, I think it's necessary and gives everyone we've got a the break. the longest break of all clubs, haven't we, for some reason? Yeah. So well, it's because we, we don't play until the Monday night. That's right, yeah. Which is uh, a, a heck of a return. It's against a side who's been a, our bogey side this year, you know, against mm. United. Um, yeah. Now, that's that's... If you ever want a rude awakening from having had a sleep for a couple of weeks, that's got to be it, hasn't it? Um, not a very good United side, but seem to cause us problems when we play them. Not a very good United side, seem to cause us problems when we play them, and we're at home, where we haven't been very good. So, nothing in our favour, really. No. <laughs> so, yeah, 4-0 loss then. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Um, now, I, it, it will it's be... got a draw written all over it, Kerry. No, I, I, mean, I look. I'm I said draw the, for Leicester, didn't I? I was right about that. Yeah, that's true. So, well, I'm an eternal optimist. I, I, I think, I think we'll win. I also think we'll get an insight into how Frank reboots the season. Then, as well, I think the team he'll pick is the team that he fancies to take us through to the end of the season with one I or two think, changes. See, I don't think we have the depth of squad to do that. No, maybe I don't not. think we don't have that depth for him to turn around and go, okay, you're all untouchables now. Because people do get niggles and they get injury and, you know, and, and I think that, I just, I think he'll still keep tinkering. He's, I think he's a natural tinkerer. Yeah, I, I think, I think that's right. He's worked under, where he understands that you need to create a spine, but that off the spine, everything else is, is movable. Um, he hasn't quite found his spine um, and he doesn't really know who his limbs are. So it, <laughs> It's a little bit. It's a little bit difficult, really. Your analogy kind of falls to sort of ground, really, doesn't it? Well, no, but it's perfect because that sums it all up. Right. It's it's an analogy that falls apart, but uh, a bit like the body at times, especially in home games. So, you know, how important is it for us to take our chances against a team like United because they've got goals in them as well. well. Next two games, isn't it? It's United and Tottenham, both yeah. at home, both and, a week and apart. Munich. Uh, well, I'm thinking league uh, oh, yeah. initially. I just think those those two games, Man United and Tottenham, a week apart, both at the Bridge. Um, if we can, I think if we can win those games, we'll finish top four. If we don't, I think it's going to be touch and go. I think you're right. I, th- <clears throat> I think coming back is the week that defines our season. I, I, I think you're right. I think if you win those two games, then yeah, I I would say. Barring real mishaps, we are really in with a shout of that fourth spot. Yeah, uh, I, I, I genuinely believe that. And I think as well that if we can get decent results against both those teams in that week, that will give the club, the players, the fans, the momentum to really you know, really push on for the next uh, couple of months. No, I, I agree with you. Okay, right. Well, we're out of time. What is your prediction for United? 1-1. One, one. One one. I'm yeah. gonna go. I'm gonna go a little bit rash here. Um, well, because they've got no rash forward, so I'm gonna be the rash one. I'm gonna go for three one to us. Okay. 
Yeah, that's what bold. I'm hoping. Bold I'm bold. Prediction. I'm bold, you know. It's because I'm a mongrel, me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> all right, Andy, we're, we're out of time. Um, once again, thank you to Naz, as ever, for doing his report, uh, and to Alan Bird as well, and to you, Andy. And I'll see you in a couple of weeks, uh, and I hope you have a good break. Yeah, no, no, no podcast uh, next week because of the... There's nothing to talk about, is there? So No, nothing. Yeah. So Absolutely nothing. We'll take nothing. a break and we'll see you when we get back. All right, everyone. We'll see you soon. Cheers, right. then. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.